One of the greatest challenges we face as Christian homeschoolers is teaching our kids a philosophy based on the Bible. This is the Homeschool Sanity Show, the episode where guest Elizabeth Urbanowitz gives us easy-to-implement ideas for imparting a biblical worldview. I'm Dr. Melanie Wilson, Christian psychologist turned homeschool mom and curriculum author, and this is the podcast helping you wave goodbye to worry and say hello to a happy homeschool. Hey, homeschoolers. One of the things that surprised me about homeschooling was how challenging it can be to teach a biblical philosophy. There are no other subjects that have so many competing teachers. When I teach my child that seven times eight is 56, I can be confident that she won't read a book or see a show that denies it. Yet, when I teach my child that people are born into sin because of the fall of humanity in the Garden of Eden, I know that he will encounter numerous voices that say not only is that not true, but it's child abuse for me to teach it. I have addressed this topic on the podcast before. I'll include a link in the show notes. But I found Elizabeth to be equally delightful and practical. She is the founder of Foundation Worldview, a wealth of information for Christian adults as they equip kids to live out their lives for Jesus. Here is my interview with her. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me here on the Homeschool Sanity Show. I wanted to have you take a few minutes to introduce yourself to us before we jump into the interview. Yes, thanks so much for having me on today, Melanie. Yeah, so I'm probably a little bit different than most of your guests, and then I'm assuming the majority of your guests are homeschooling moms or homeschooling dads. Where I'm single, I don't have any children, so I am not in the trenches day in and day out homeschooling, but I am a huge fan of homeschooling and supporting those who homeschool around me, just knowing all of the hard work that they're putting in really to invest in these children that God has placed in their care. So my background, I love children. My background is in education that I spent the first decade of my professional career in a Christian school teaching elementary students and just loved getting to come alongside parents as we were really seeking to equip these kids to know and love and trust God and his word. Um, and several years into my teaching experience, I noticed a problem that, you know, most of the children in my classroom, their parents were very intentional about discipleship. They had them in a Christian school for this specific reason. I'm passionate about God and his word. So I was giving them a biblically based education. Most of them were involved in church and they were still rapidly absorbing ideas from the culture without any question. So that's when I set out on a journey just to look for what can I do to really equip these children that God has placed within my sphere of influence to really carefully evaluate every idea that they encounter so that they can understand the truth and the goodness and the beauty of the biblical worldview. So now several years later, God's called me out of the classroom to run a ministry called Foundation Worldview, where that's exactly what we seek to support parents as they equip their children to do just that. Well, I love it. I mean, it's it's so, so important. And I know many of us parents, even uh, those of us who are Christian homeschooling parents, we feel the battle. We feel mm -hmm. it, and we don't always know what to do in response to the attacks from those who don't have a right. Christian biblical worldview. So 
I am excited to jump right into this with you, Elizabeth. And my first question for you goes right along with what you were saying, and that is that culture teaches the lie that something can be true for you, but not for me when this is not the reality. Can you explain that more to us and tell us some ways that we parents can help our children understand that truth is objective and not subjective? Yes, well, I love that question because I think it's so foundational to everything that we do with our children. And now, you know, for the listeners who are in the trenches day in and day out with their children, you know, trying to teach them the truth and instill them, instill the truth in them and to just even develop an appetite for what is true. A lot of times what we don't realize is that our kids have a lot of times subconsciously bought into this lie that the truth changes from person to person to person. So even if they have, you know, John 14, six memorized, you know, that talks about Jesus being the way, the truth and the life, if we're not careful with helping them understand that truth is objective, what they're actually hearing is, you know, Jesus is the way for some people. He's the truth for some (laughs) people. He's the life for some people where, you know, that's not how the world works. Either Jesus is the only way to God, or he is not the only way to God. You know, only one of those things can be true. And so the great thing is, is homeschooling parents, you know, are usually great educators, you know, because they're the experts. You guys are the experts on your kids. You know them better than any teacher ever could because of the amount of time that you are investing in them. So you know how they learn, you know, their strengths, you know, their weaknesses. So what I always encourage parents to do is to just start right where they're at with their kids. Now, for those of you who are working with little ones, you know, kindergarten, first grade, or even, you know, if you just have, you know, preschoolers or or toddlers, you know that their bodies need to be involved in learning. That's just how they've been designed. You know, you can't just sit them down and have them listen for a half hour. They actually have to have their bodies (laughs) involved. So I recommend just starting even at the age of three or four, you know, or if your kids are older than that, you can start older and just say, you know what, today we're going to learn about truth. And to just give them a simple definition, just to say truth is what is real, you know, and then have them repeat it. Let's say that together. Let's say that really loudly. Truth is what is real and say it really loudly and say, okay, now I want you to whisper it as quietly as you can. You know, truth is what is real. And then say, okay, we're going to play a game. I'm going to tell you some sentences and some of those sentences are going to be true. And if they're true, I want you to spread your arms out and I want you to say as loud as you can, true. And then I'm going to give you some sentences that are not true. They're going to be silly sentences. And if it's not a true sentence, I want you to cross your arms and say not true. And then you just give them simple sentences like puppies are baby dogs. You know, that's true. Um, And then, you know, puppies run on the ceiling. Oh my goodness. That's a silly (laughs) sentence. Puppies don't run on the ceiling. That's not true. And so just to teach them, you know, to observe if something is true or if it's not true, then you can teach them about feelings and say, our feelings are inside of us and they're really important. And sometimes we feel really big feelings and sometimes we don't, but then give them the opportunity to show me the feel, the face that you make when you're feeling happy, you know, show me the face that you make when you're feeling angry. So just to get them to recognize what an emotion is and then throw that into the mix. I'm going to give you some sentences that are true, some that are not true and some that are feelings and talk about how, you know what, my feelings are going to be different than your feelings so that they understand that subjectively we're going to feel differently about different things. But that doesn't change the truth. So then you can throw in, you know, again, that like puppies are baby dogs. You know, that's true. Puppies run on the ceiling. It's not true. And then puppies are fun. 
That's a feeling about puppies that's going to change from person to person to person. And so with little ones, we can just play this as a game. I, um, because I'm you know running a company that creates resources for kids, I try to make sure that I'm always working with kids. And so a lot of times after church on Sundays, I'll just you know take a family's kids home with me, you know, and feed them lunch so the parents can go out on a date and. A lot of times the kids will think that this is just the most fun game. Well, they'll be like, Miss, Miss Elizabeth, can we play the truth and feelings game? <laughs> um, so it's a fun game, you know, to play with little ones. If you're working with older ones, you can set them out on, send them out on a treasure hunt, you know, hide something around the house that you know that they would love, you know, whether it's chocolate or stickers or, you know, like a date with dad certificate or something that, you know, they would just really enjoy and say, okay, somewhere in this house, there is X, you know, whatever you've hidden and then say, I've written some directions down here. Some of the directions are true directions. Some of them are not. It just depends on which ones you choose. Let's see what happens. And then send them out on a treasure hunt and only one kid's going to find the prize. And this is one where you're going to have to make it a little bit painful and only that one kid gets the prize. <laughs> and then you debrief. You know, why did your brother find the prize? Well, he had true instructions. Why did you not? Because you didn't have true instructions. So what can we learn about truth from this? What is truth? And talk about how truth is what is real. So anytime we can take, you know, and again, you as the parents, you are the experts on your kids. You know what they need. So anytime we can take just how God designed them, knowing they need their bodies involved or they need to be able to touch something or that, you know, they need to be able to be up and moving and we can attach something physical to it. All of a sudden it becomes real. Like, Oh, this Mm -hmm. is what is true. And then with older kids, you can play a game. You know, what if you didn't know the truth in the situation? What if you didn't know the truth about which side of the car, which side of the road cars drive on? You know, what would Mm -hmm. be the consequences? What if you had a stomach ache and you took the wrong kind of medicine and you didn't know the truth about the right type of medicine to take for a stomach ache? What would the consequences be so that older ones understand like, Oh, there, there can be serious consequences. So that's what I recommend. This is a really basic start for parents, you know, play these games so that they're understanding truth is objective. It does not change from person to person to person. Mm. Well, the first reaction that I have to that, Elizabeth, is that many of my listeners are now wanting to change to your church so that you will take their kids uh, to, to play with them and teach them so that they can go out on a date. I mean, that is an amazing ministry that you have. I just really have to commend you for that. Um, wow. I am super, super impressed, and I'm sure my listeners are too. But the next reaction that I have is that, you know, bringing emotion into it and talking mm-hmm. about how we confuse emotion with truth is not just something that our kids need to learn. I think we need to learn that as well. And I just wanted to share a quick little story that might prompt you to think, and by you, I don't mean you, Elizabeth, but I mean my listener, to think of your own story that you could share where your feelings led you astray. Um, or you can share my story if you if you want to. But I was 17 years old, and at that point, I knew I wanted to be a psychologist. I was very fascinated by psychology. I had been having a lot of headaches, and so they scheduled me to have an MRI. I am not claustrophobic, but once I got into the machine and they had me hooked up to the IV, I started having trouble breathing. And so I immediately assumed that I was anxious. (laughs) So I just told myself, just, you're fine. Just calm down. And they had said, you know, no matter what, don't move, don't move. I also had a lot of severe itching, but I just stuck it out (laughs) 
the entire time, didn't move. And when they sat me up, I had had an anaphylactic allergic reaction. My face was swollen to about five times its normal size. My ears were the size of my palms. My, I was having trouble breathing in part because my cheeks were so swollen that my nostrils were closed. (laughs) Um, it was, it was crazy. And I was in the hospital for several days recovering from that allergic reaction. So it just goes to show you, and it actually fits with some research that shows us that we will ascribe meaning to our physical reactions and we'll decide what emotion we're feeling based on our environment and our surroundings. And so how much more can we do that when we have emotions and then we try to make some sense of them when it comes to the truth of our world and our faith? So um, I love that you are bringing that up as an issue, Um, but it's not just emotion that we want to address when we're talking with our kids about a Christian worldview. You talk about teaching children to also think well. And what do you mean by that and why is it so important? Yes, well, a lot in our culture right now is focused on feelings and emotions, you know, and, and we know as Christians, and I'm sure, you know, you, especially in your area of expertise, you know, understand that emotions are not a bad thing. You know, emotions are, it's part of being created in the image of God. It's part of being human. And so our emotions, you know, they should neither be negated, nor should they just be given free reign. Where in the past, a lot of focus was on, you know, just negating whatever emotions we had. We're now in the current cultural context in which we find ourselves you know, the focus is just the opposite, that whatever you feel, that is the most real thing about you. And so we want rather, you know, we don't want to stop our children from feeling, you know, we don't want them to think that that's a bad thing, but we want to teach them to filter, you know, what they're feeling through what is true. And so one really important thing, the next step, you know, after I would take kids, you know, through that truth or not truth and feelings game is then to ask the question, is this feeling pointing me towards the truth or is it pointing me away from the truth? Now, sometimes the answer might be both because, you know, when we know our children, especially our little ones can have very strong emotional reactions to things, you know, we very much hope that does not happen in the grocery store, but sometimes it does, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but after the heat of the moment, when our child has calmed down, you know, we, and we, we've taken a step back when we can talk with them. And sometimes that emotion might have been pointing them to truth. And then it changed, you know, if, if our son took our daughter's toy and our daughter gets very upset, you know, she's feeling that anger because she is being treated unjustly, you know, and that that's a correct, you know, response to that. But then that emotion might lead her to believe that the best thing to do is to push him down, you know, which like that is not true. So we want to equip our kids to filter these things, but not only the things that are happening internally, we want to equip them to filter everything that's coming to them externally. Now I'm sure, you know, based on just the population of your listeners, that most of the people listening are pretty careful about the amount of screen time their children have, you know, the amount of messaging that they're receiving. But really, unless we live off of the grid, it's like virtually impossible to get away from screens. You know, I I just, Mm -hmm. I go and pump gas at the gas station. I'm just like, please, I just want like 30 seconds of peace. Or I sit down (laughs) at the dentist's office and I'm like, this was supposed to be my half hour of quiet time and you have a TV on, like, please stop. (laughs) 
you know, so no matter where we go, there's screens. And so our children, even if we're very careful and we limit the amount of screen time they have, and we're even very careful about what they are and are not exposed to really in one year of our kids' lifetime, they're going to be exposed to more competing ideas than most people throughout human history have been exposed to in their entire lives, just because of the prevalence of information. And so we need to make sure that we're preparing our children to live well and to live healthy lives in this current cultural context. So we need to train them every time they hear an idea, you know, whether it's from a friend, whether it's from, you know, materials we're going through in our homeschool, whether it's at the grocery store, whether it's, you know, a a YouTube video or a Disney plus show that somebody has shown them, or whether it's family movie night, that we're always equipping them to pause and say, wait a minute, what did I just hear? Is that idea true? Or is it not true? Now, it doesn't mean that we have to keep our kids away from all untrue ideas. Like we need to expose them to some things so that they're prepared to live in the world, but they just need these skills to be able to say, stop, pause. What was that idea? So that they first identify the idea. That's half the battle, (laughs) you know, actually Mm -hmm. identifying what this is rather than just being a passive recipient of information and saying, okay, how do I know whether or not this is true? And that's where we need to give them skills in how to evaluate different ideas that they encounter. Mm. And along with that, what do you think about teaching kids about other religions' views? I think sometimes as parents, we're nervous about that Mm -hmm. because we think, well, what if this seems really appealing to my child? You know, like Mm -hmm. I'm I'm thinking in particular about a more Buddhist perspective, Mm -hmm. which is very Mm -hmm. popular, especially some of the, the teachings of it. Um, And so should we teach our kids about other traditions, worldviews? I love that question. And I think it's like the million dollar question for many parents, you know, figuring out, okay, what, you know, my kids live in the world, but we don't want them to be of the world. So should I just protect them from all of these alternate ideas or, you know, should I expose them? And so the analogy that I like to use, um, and my answer is yes, I do think we do need to expose them to these other ideas in a healthy way. And the analogy I like to use is hand sanitizer that when (laughs) my first year of teaching, um, I got sick a ton, which for, if anybody, you know, I know there's a lot of homeschooling moms with education backgrounds. And so I'm Mm -hmm. sure they've had these experiences too. You know, your first year teaching, you're around all these kids, you get sick a lot. Then your second year is supposed to get sick a little less. Your third year, you know, you're immune where with me, just the opposite happened. I got sick, you know, a lot. My first year, I got sick even more my second year. By my third year, I had been on several rounds of antibiotics Mm. before Christmas break because I had had a number of sinus infections. So eventually I went to the doctor and I was like, listen, I don't want any more antibiotics. I want us to figure out like what is the root cause of this so that I can, Mm -hmm. you know, stop that. So the doctor asked me a bunch of questions. And one thing he discovered was something that's been true about me since I was like five or six is that I'm a germaphobe. (laughs) And so in my classroom at the time, I did not have a sink. So instead of, you know, washing my hands, I would use hand sanitizer all the time. And when I say all the time, I mean, probably like 50 times a day. Um, So um, it was a lot. And so he said, you know, Elizabeth, He said, hand sanitizer is good if you can't wash your hands, you know, before you're about to eat something or if you need to like rub your eye or rub your mouth. He said, but 
when you use the, you know, this volume of hand sanitizer, what you're doing is you're not a lot, like not only are you killing any potentially good bacteria that's on your hands, but you're not allowing your body to get exposed to these germs in very small doses said. Mm. And so therefore when you, you know, like when a kid coughs in your space, you know, like you haven't had any time for your body to learn how to fight this virus. And so he said, what I want you to do is I want you, you know, to you wash your hands or use hand sanitizer before you eat. And if you have to rub your eye or your mouth and no other time, I followed his advice. And what do you know? I went five years without another sinus infection, you know, cause it was actually preparing my body by letting my body get exposed to different germs in small doses, you know, like in a healthy way so that my immune system could be prepared. And I think it's the same way with our kids. You know, we don't just want to like push our kids off the deep end and be like, well, here's ideas out there. Have fun figuring them out. You know, like that would be like, you know, like sending me into a tuberculosis ward, you know, like just, you know, like with no protection. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, if we are sanitizing everything and only ever exposing them to things that we think are safe and things that only portray the Christian worldview, you know, one day, I think most of the parents out there listening, you know, you want your children to grow up and to get married and have children and have jobs, you know, like you don't want your children living with you probably when they're in their thirties, you know, that's not your life goal. And so mm-hmm. you want to prepare them for the world in which we're living. And so they are going to be exposed to these ideas one day, and they probably already are exposed to them in some small way. So when we can directly teach our kids what the biblical worldview teaches about something, and then directly teach what another worldview teaches about that thing, and then give them the opportunity to ask questions, to think through it. We have the opportunity for them to be able to learn, oh my goodness, what's presented in the Bible actually lines up with reality. You know, when you think about what we've been talking about so far with emotions, you know, and helping our kids understand emotions, and then even thinking through what Buddhism, which you brought up teaches, you know, the Christian worldview teaches that, you know, we're created in God's image, that emotions are part of being image bearers. And this side of the fall of Genesis three, some of our emotions are going to be healthy and point us to truth. And other ones are not going to point us to what's true. So we have to actually discern that in light of God's word where Buddhism teaches that the way to have a happy and fulfilled life is to completely detach yourself from any feeling and any desire so that you're basically emotionless. Mm, And so we mm -hmm. can have the opportunity, you know, to teach that to our kids, to have them read some things, you know, that are presented from a Buddhist perspective and then ask, Hmm, what actually lines up with the truth. Do you think it would be healthier if we just never felt anything and we kind of walked around like robots without any desires? Well, what would we miss out on? We'd miss out on loving one another. Hmm. Isn't that crazy? We would miss out on the love that we have for our family. You know, we would miss out on the love that we have for our church family. And so then to talk through that and talk through where the biblical perspective is, is that love sometimes hard? Yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's mm-hmm. really hard. Sometimes are we going to have bad days? Yeah, but the goal is to make sure that we're only following emotions that are pointing us to truth. So when we can do that with our kids, we are setting them up for success when they do one day encounter these alternate worldview ideas. Mm, I love it. And I am imagining that because you really want us to be having conversations with our kids about truth and about other worldviews, that you're also passionate about kids studying the Bible on their own. And I will tell you honestly that I think I and other homeschooling parents can get into a mode where 
we are the teacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to teach you. And yes, we're going to encourage our kids to study it on their own, but we feel responsible. So can you speak to that a little bit? Yes. Well, first of all, just want to encourage you and any other homeschooling parent, you know, that the desire to be the teacher and the desire to guide your kids in truth, that is a good desire. That is a good God-given desire. What we need to discern in that is when the desire is to control things versus when it is to guide and to train, you know, because if we cook meals for our children their whole lives. You know, I mean, cooking as parents, you know, it's a good thing to cook healthy, nutritious meals for our children. And then it's also important that we train them as they grow for how to cook meals on their own. Not because we're angry about having to cook meals for them, not because we don't want to cook meals. I mean, probably some people don't want to cook meals anymore, (laughs) but you know, not because we don't want to cook for them anymore, but because we want them to live as healthy adults and they can't be eating out you know, 21 meals a week if we want them to be healthy. So we have to train them how to cook on their own. And that involves, you know, how to measure things, you know, how to pour things, how to stir things when they're little. Then when they get older, you know, how to turn on the stove, how to turn on the oven, how to follow a recipe, you know, how to safely prepare chicken or beef, you know, so that nobody gets sick, you know, how Mm -hmm. to clean up after yourself. And I would say that that's, you know, that's the same thing with scripture, that if we want our children to know and to love and to trust the God of the universe, we have to equip them with the skills that they need to seek him as he has revealed his himself. And the main way in which God has revealed himself is through his word, through scripture. And so a lot of times the mistake that we make is we're always planning things activities that involve scripture. Now, first of all, if you are planning activities that involve scripture, way to go. That is a really good thing. So I'm not trying to say, stop that. If you're having your kids in God's word, if you're reading the Bible in the morning, if you're doing a Bible class, if you're reading through a Bible study together, I mean, please do not hear me negating that or saying that's a bad thing. That is a wonderful thing to be doing with your children, just as if you are cooking meals for your children. That is a wonderful thing to be doing for them. We also need to make sure we're giving them these skills to soundly read, interpret, and apply scripture on their own. And what I mean by this is teaching them some basic skills that they need for how to read the Bible. Like, first of all, they need to know what's the big story, you know, from Genesis to Revelation. It's like really hard for even us as adults, you know, just to pick up randomly the book of Isaiah and start reading and understanding it. If we don't know the whole story, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, then we need to teach them differences, like things like the difference between reading a descriptive passage and a prescriptive passage. You know, there are, there are parts of the Bible where it's just describing things that are happening. You know, God doesn't want us to go and follow every single single thing that's written in the Bible. I mean, think about some of the narratives, you know, like Lot and his daughters and Judah and Tamar and then, you know, the book of Judges. <laughs> Those are descriptive passages that are just telling us what happened, mm-hmm. you know, versus mm-hmm. prescriptive passages, you know, like in Colossians 3, where it's telling us all the things that we are to put off and put on as Christians. And so we need to teach them the difference between that. We need to teach them how to read different genres, how to read Bible verses in context, you know, so that they, they don't just pull one verse out and incorrectly understand understand it. So if we can give them just some basic skills in sound biblical interpretation, we're going to then set them up to be able to read, interpret, and apply God's word as they grow. Mm, So good. So, so good. And 
fortunately, I think we live in a time when there are wonderful resources that are age appropriate Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. kids to be able to do that kind of study and reading on their own and independently. And I might ask you for your favorites that I could include in the show notes for this episode. But I wanted to move on and talk about false gospels. I think Mm. that is so, so important. And it's really quite a contentious issue, even amongst um, adult believers, right? Mm. Um, And so I wonder if you can give us some hints and some helps about how we can point our kids to the difference between the gospel and false gospels. Yes, and this is so important, you know, as you said, and which really connects back to something we talked about previously, just because there is such a prevalence of information out there, you know, which isn't always a bad thing. It makes homeschooling, I think, a lot easier, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, that we have so many resources at our fingertips, but it also means that with that information comes a lot of misinformation. And so if we want our children to understand the true gospel, and be able to discern it from false gospels. The first thing we need to make sure is that our children understand the true gospel, (laughs) you know, that Mm -hmm. they understand just, you know, some basic points. And the way that I like to explain it to kids, and I would always explain it to my students, is, you know, as we look at scripture, right from Genesis 1, we see that God is good and that he created a good world. He created humans in his image. And as his image bearers, he gave us the choice of whether we would love and trust and obey him or whether we would love and trust and obey ourselves. And when given the choice, our first parents, Adam and Eve, chose to love, trust, and obey themselves. And now that has thrown everything into chaos, that sin entered the world, God cursed the ground. And so now we're living in a world that's not as God initially designed it. And there is no way for us to get back to him. And that is because We have sinned against him. And so God's just wrath is on us. And the only payment for that sin was God himself bearing God, the father, God, the son bearing God, the father's wrath on our behalf. And so that's the good news. You know, the the good news is we're created in God's image, but we're fallen. That's the bad news. And then the good news Mm -hmm. is that Jesus bore the penalty for our sin. He rose again to new life. And so now anyone who turns from their sin and trusts in Jesus is reconciled to God. They become part of God's family. And so obviously I wouldn't just say that, you know, I just said that very quickly, probably in Mm -hmm. like 30 to 60 seconds. I wouldn't say it that quickly to a child. You know, there's so many good resources out there to be able to explain the ABCs of the gospel, you know, Mm -hmm. to children. And so once they understand that, that's when we can have the opportunity to talk with them about different gospels. And, and anytime we see something, and especially the interesting thing that that I find about our culture is our culture thinks of itself as so like loving and accepting (laughs) and compassionate. But the funny thing is, is the message of our culture, the false, one of the main false gospels in our culture is that you are good and you are perfect and you are beautiful and you are enough just the way you are. And that's all you need to realize, but don't you dare mess up because if you mess up, we're all going to shun you and we're going to cancel you. And that's the end of you. And it's like, Oh my goodness. Like that does not bring any peace at all because how scary is that to think, okay, I'm perfect as I am. And I better be careful that I don't ever make a mistake or else I'm Mm going to be toast. And so Mm -hmm. that's something, you know, that we can bring up 
you know, with our kids, when we see that message, you know, in the media that, you know, you just need to follow your heart. You're enough. You're beautiful. (laughs) And talk to them. You know, we can talk about real things and we can bring this up. You know, our kids see our sin in a more real way than probably anybody aside from our spouse does, you know, Mm -hmm. so so they know that. And so we don't have to bring up their sin, but we can even just show them our sin. Like, think about that. I want you to think about all the interactions you had with me this week. We've had some good ones and then we've had some different ones. Do you remember when you and your brother got in a fight and I tried to stop it? And then what did I do? I lost my temper and I yelled at you. I wasn't treating you like you were an image bearer. So is mommy good enough just as she is? Is that all I need to do is just realize that I'm enough and I'm perfect and I'm beautiful and talk through those things with our kids. And this is a great opportunity. You know, if you have any screen time with your kids, I would just encourage, you know, the listeners to sit down with your kids while they're watching a show or while, you know, like while you're having family movie night and talk about, you know, what, what is the gospel in, in this, you know, in this show or in this movie, you know, what is the main problem and what is the main solution to it? You know, because Mm -hmm. there are some shows that do kind of follow, you know, we might be surprised and we're like, Oh, actually they're talking about self-sacrificing and somebody else had to self-sacrifice, you know, mm-hmm. for that person that that kind of is the Christian gospel. And then there's other ones where it's just like, well, you're just perfect, just the way you are, you know, and just <laughs> stick that you stick with that, you know, or there's other solutions. So if we can give our mm-hmm. kids that formula, let's look for what is the main problem in the world in this, you know, and what, whatever form of media or book or, you know, whatever we're looking at. And then what is the main solution? And there's, there's this quote, um, there's a man named Oz Guinness. I think, I I think he's an anthropologist or a sociologist. I don't know exactly what his title is, but he has this quote that I love. And I think is so applicable to us, you know, exposing our children to false gospels. He says, contrast is the mother of clarity. Hmm. I always Hmm. find that I wonder at the gospel more when I see the alternatives Mm. and we can help our kids see that, you know, even just, you know, as funny as it was, as I was describing, you know, you're wonderful, you're beautiful, you know, but don't you dare mess up. Just having our kids think about how beautiful is the gospel of Jesus Christ that it's like, you know what? You are incredibly valuable and incredibly loved, but you are broken beyond your own fixing. But you know what? God has provided a way for you to be made whole again. And you know what? It is not at all dependent on you. Like what good news is that? That is such a relief. That's mm-hmm. such a beautiful relief and that we want them to see the truth and the goodness and the beauty of the true gospel by comparing it to these mm. false gospel alternatives. Mm. So, so good, Elizabeth. Absolutely beautiful, just profound. And so I am interested now in knowing more about Foundation Worldview. Tell us about the current curriculum series that it offers, because I know my listeners are interested in it. Yes. Well, you know, I, I started off this you know, this interview by explaining that I'm single and I don't have children. And so it's kind of odd, you know, for me to be on a homeschool um, podcast. But this is the season of life that God has me in, in the body of Christ. You know, we're all called to different things. And so I don't have any more hours in a day than, you know, like a homeschooling mom or a homeschooling dad. But I have a little bit more flexibility in my schedule because in this season, God has not called me to marriage and parenting. And so my goal, you know, in running Foundation World, View is that we would be able to provide the resources that really busy homeschooling parents 
need to be able to do exactly what I'm talking about. You know, because the things that we've talked about in this interview, you know, discerning truth from error and from emotion and understanding the objective nature of truth and understanding different worldviews, you know, and reading, interpreting, implying scripture, you know, and understanding mm-hmm. false gospels. Like it sounds all well and good while the listeners are listening, but then they, you know, like at the end of the, the, the episode, you know, they'll click pause and then their real life is there, <laughs> which involves many children and many subjects to teach and dishes and, you know, HVAC systems that break down, you know, and all these things. And so our goal at Foundation Worldview is to just make educating and equipping our children in this way seamless. So what we do is we provide curriculum and they're not everyday curriculum because we know what homeschooling mom has time to add another class every day into her schedule. No homeschooling moms do that. (laughs) So we have curriculums that are designed to be implemented once a week over a 30 week span, you know, to give you a little bit of flexibility. And if you know how to press print and play, you can implement the materials. (laughs) So what we do is we do all, I mean, there are teacher's guides, so you can teach it yourself, but there are also teaching videos. If you want to watch alongside your kids, because one thing I know as a, as a teacher, anytime I was asked to teach something that I, I myself wasn't super familiar with, I found it so intimidating because I was just like, Oh my goodness. What if they ask me a question that I don't know how to answer? And then I give them an answer and it's wrong. Mm. And like, I ruin their understanding of it, you know, or like they, they think this isn't true because clearly I don't know it. And so Mm. That's why we have teaching videos and we also have parent videos just to say, Hey, here's questions your kids might ask. If your kid asks this question, this is how you can answer it. So we try to make it as easy and seamless as possible. So the current curriculums that we have out, we have one for little ones, um, for f- anywhere from ages four to eight. We try to give big age, age ranges because we know that homeschooling families, it's a great idea when they can do these things all together and learn as a family. Mm-hmm. Um, so for f- the four to eight range, uh, we have just a basic worldview curriculum where we're teaching little ones, the basics of a biblical worldview, kind of in the way I described before, you know, with lots of body movements and up and down and loud and quiet just to engage them right where they're at. Um, and then for older kids for ages eight to 12, you know, and that, that, that range can be a little, you know, if you have kids a little bit older, or a little bit younger, you can include them in that too. We have a comparative worldview curriculum where it goes through the same thing with teaching a biblical worldview, but it also includes four other competing worldviews in our society mm. so that we can do exactly exactly what we talked about in this podcast, you know, comparing and contrasting so that the kids are really the ones seeing, Oh my goodness, I don't just believe what the Bible says because my mom tells me that it's true, but it actually lines up with what we find in the world around us. Hmm. Then we also, for that age group, for anyone age eight and up, we have a studying the Bible curriculum where we do exactly what we talked about, the whole, learning the whole story of scripture, learning, you know, just basic Bible study skills, learning about how to read different genres, just so that we're equipping kids to independently study scripture. And then for the older guys, for kids uh, 10 on up, we have what we call our careful thinking curriculum. And that's where we teach them how to, you know, just like we talked about how to pause and say, wait a minute, what is that idea that I just heard? And then we systematically teach them how to go through a series of questions to figure out whether an idea is true or not true. And then we actually work on some relationship skills um, (laughs) for talking about, you know, when you become good at discerning truth from error, how do you actually have conversations with people? about it, you know, so that we're not just being like, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. You know, so that we actually can have conversations that are honoring to God. Um, so those are our basic curriculums that we have out right now. 
Well, they sound incredible, and I think there needs to be an adult curriculum with that, <laughs> the relationship <laughs> skills. Oh, oh, I mean, Elizabeth, this has just been wonderful. So tell us where we can find the resources that you've created and also how we can connect with you. Yes. So if you go to foundationworldview.com, all of the resources are there. So we have all of our curriculums housed there. We have our webinars there, our podcasts, our blogs, all of those things there. We do also have social media handles. Like you can find us on Instagram. You can find us on, you know, on, sorry, lost my place there. We got on Facebook. That's because I'm not the one that runs them because I'm so bad on social media. So you can connect with the company there, not necessarily me, but you can connect with me by just submitting a request through the website. We have all of the information there. Again, it's foundationworldview.com. Well, fantastic. And I know people are going to be very, very interested in doing that after just hearing what you have to share. And I mean, I really just want to emphasize again, I am so thankful for the ministry that you have. And, you know, I think it's just so valuable that God is using this season of your life to minister to the needs of families like like the ones listening to us today. So thank you so much for everything that you do. Oh, God has been good and he's been so gracious. And thank you so much for having me on today, Melanie. To find Foundation Worldview, visit the show notes at homeschoolsanity.com slash child worldview. Have a happy homeschool week. Thank you for joining me on the journey to homeschool sanity. I would love to continue the conversation. You can find me on social media at Homeschool Sanity. And if you haven't heard it lately, let me remind you, you're doing a great job. This has been a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.